You're glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to see your smiling faces. Good to see you in your jerseys. If you're visiting, we welcome you. And you came on a Sunday when you perhaps sort of walked in and thought, man, is there a game going on today? Is there something real important? There's nothing overtly spiritual about today at all. We just like to have a good time. Amen? Is that okay to have a good time in church? Amen. I, there's nothing, nothing that spiritual about it. Uh, we just, you're in a church that likes football. Amen? And we love to give each other a hard time about football. And that's even, that's even better. My heart broke this morning when I was in the foyer before service and somebody walked in with a Michigan shirt on. I just, there's a, there's a lot of things that I can, I can forgive. I'm not sure if that's one of them. Look, I lived in, many of you know this, but if you don't, I lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana for a little over 15 years. And uh, those Tiger fans would give me a real hard time, a real hard time, because I am a diehard born and raised right there an hour south of Columbus, Ohio, which, of course, the Ohio State University Buckeyes are right there in Columbus. And, man, they would give me such a hard time. They would just... You know, because I wasn't going to be shy about my allegiances, and Tiger fans are not shy about their allegiances. So we uh, we just agreed to disagree. But it's all in fun. Everybody say it's all in fun this morning. Have a good have a good time in the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on or open them, whichever your medium is of uh, how you brought the Word of God today. But how many love the Word of God? Listen to me. It is what it, 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 when you read those words, that is power and life. You need to be in the word of God in the days that we're living in all the time. You have to be in there because it literally is nourishment and food for our souls. But we're going to first Peter chapter two today, first Peter chapter two. And as I always do on Jersey Sunday, I try to use a few illustrations that apply to life, but also apply to sports in general but especially the game of football, and I just enjoy doing that. I enjoy getting ready for these services that we come together on Jersey Sunday. We've done this, I think, four years in a row, and it's always a good time. But the title of my message today is The Game Has Changed. Everybody say, The Game Has Changed. And my thought around that, and we'll look at our anchor text here in in 1 Peter chapter 2 in just a minute, But my thought around that is if you follow sports at all, whether it be baseball, football, you know, what hockey or whatever it is, you understand that through the years, and you hear this comment a lot, you hear the comment, boy, the game has changed. I mean, back when I used to grow up watching NFL football or college football, I mean, you could literally, like, when you went to tackle the quarterback, if you were a defensive lineman or linebacker, I mean, I think you could almost pull his arms off as you were tackling him. And today, if you, I don't know, it looks like if you maybe say something harsh, they throw a flag on you and kick you out of the game. If you're a wide receiver and you went over the middle, as they, so to speak, if you went to catch a pass over the middle, it was the job of the defensive back, of the safety, to just hit you as hard as possible. Now when you do that, you get kicked out of the game. So the game has changed, and I felt like centering my message today around the thought and the idea That when you as a believer, when you put your faith in Christ, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit seals and comes to dwell in your heart and in your life. And I came to tell you this morning something very simple, but I hope you carry it away from here today of something that will encourage you and, and, and bring life to you today. Of the fact that when you come into the kingdom and you're saved and you're on your way to heaven, the whole game has changed. Amen? Everything has changed, and that's a good thing this morning because oftentimes our lives don't match up with the realities that we see in the Word, and I want to delve into the Word today. I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me five things to encourage you today of how everything has changed for you now as a believer. And I'm a firm believer that if my life isn't lining up with what God said about the situation, then I need to dig deeper in the Word. Amen? Sometimes sometimes we think of our faith as going up, in a way, or going up the mountain, or getting closer to God, and that's all important. But I found just as equally true, sometimes God wants to excavate some things and get down and remove some things that don't match up with his word. Amen? Are you in First Peter chapter 2 today? Let's look at that passage. We're going to look down here at verse 9. We're going to look at these five things that we have a new life in Christ, and we're going to look at these five things too. Challenge us, of course, as always on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights and the times we gather together to be challenged with the word, to be changed by the word, and to be encouraged by the word. 
Look at verse 9 there in 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Man, I'm preaching myself happy this morning just with that scripture. Man, we've been, we've been pulled out of darkness and placed in light. The game has changed for everybody here when you come to faith in Christ. This is the reality we're reading. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Father, as always, for these next few minutes and moments as I preach your word and teach your word, I pray that you would help me. I pray for the listeners today that the soil of our heart would be good soil, that it would be in the condition where the seed of God's word may go into the hearts and lives of the people present today, and that, Lord God, you would change our hearts and change our lives, that, Father, your Holy Spirit would continue to dwell here. And anything said of Jason Hanks, let it fall by the wayside. But whatever is said under the anointing of the Holy Spirit today, Father, we pray that you would go into the hearts of the people and change them from glory to glory and faith to faith. Lord, help me and help us today. Hear your word. Let us be hearers and let us be doers of the word of God in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Number one today, if you're taking notes, is the game has changed when you have come out of darkness and you have come into the light of his kingdom. When you have been, what the Bible says, transferred It is a faith thing this morning that you have been redeemed, you have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of light. So number one today is you have joined a new team. Amen? You no longer, and and let me say something this morning by way, and and, and what I'm about to say may sound like it's maybe harsh, but it's not if you'll listen to me all the way through, clear through to the end of this first point. I want to explain something to everybody here. There is a such thing as evil, and there is good. Amen? There is light, and there is darkness. There is a heaven, and there is a hell. Today's culture would try to place things in our way to say these things don't exist, or, you know, there's gray areas. Some people are kind of good. Some people are kind of bad. The Bible teaches us our real condition, and our real condition is that we have fallen short of the glory of God. We are sinners in need of a Savior this morning. And just like in the natural, if you look at a at an NFL player, uh, and I know college players now actually can transfer teams, so it applies to them too. But an NFL player, if he gets traded to a team or if he gets cut from one and joins another team, can I tell you this morning, the player doesn't wear his old uniform. Come on, somebody. He's not out on the field wearing a Redskins uniform if he's now playing for the Dolphins. How many Dolphins fans we have in here? Do we have like all? I know you are, brother. God bless your heart. That's all I have to say. You've joined a new team when you come into the kingdom of God. You no longer, so you act differently, you sing the praises of your new team, you look at your new team differently, and when you get traded, you take on the uniform of your new team. Everybody say, I joined a new team. team. And when I thought about this and began to think and just study, and my mind immediately went to Matthew 22. And in Matthew 22, there's a very interesting story that's also recorded in Luke, but Matthew has a few more details and it, and it probably shows us that Jesus, over the teaching of over three years, told a lot of parables that aren't recorded. And so he would tell something to say this. He would say, the kingdom of heaven. So when you come out of the kingdom of darkness and you're translated into the kingdom of light, you now have a new team. So the way you act, the way you talk, the way everything that you do is now redeemed. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's supposed to be in charge. Amen. We're going to get to that in a minute. We have a new coach too. But in Matthew 22, it's interesting because Luke says it like this, that there was an invitation from a king given out to have a great banquet. I got good news for you this morning. If you say, I can't join that team, the invitation has already been sent. 
you have already been invited to join a new team. You've already been invited to join. And, and what I love about the story is it shows us the nature of God. God throws a feast, a banquet. God throws a party. If you have a view of God that is, is just up there distant and cold and sitting on a throne and lightning and all those kind of things, of course, that's the truth. I want to tell you something this morning. God wants communion with you. God wants you to come over on his team because he has blessings, he has joy, he has peace, he has an ability to strengthen us when we're going through difficult times. So in Matthew 22, it says the invitation has been sent, and what we think is the invitation is only to a select few. I came to tell you this morning, God wants you to join his team because he knows that is the best life to live. So there's an invitation. It says, whomsoever will come. Amen. You haven't fallen so far away that you can't turn and come back to God with one step and one place of your heart to join his team this morning. But in the story, the invitation sent and the, and the people come in. And at the very end of that, it says this. It says there's somebody that came into the wedding feast and he wasn't wearing the right uniform. It says he wasn't dressed appropriately. Now, scholars and theologians kind of talk about what that may mean. You know, was there a certain dress? I think what I came to the conclusion of is it's kind of like when we come to the house of the Lord, God wants us not to wear something fancy. He just wants us to understand this is a different day because we're honoring him. Amen? So if you look at the context of the invitation, everybody could come. The only thing that the person who threw the invitation, gave the invitation and threw the party was asking was that you wear what he provided. Amen? So I get the story, and the reason I say it's important to understand you have joined a new team is, to me, this denotes somebody or points out somebody that wants all the benefits of the kingdom, but they don't want any responsibilities of the kingdom. Are you hearing me this morning? It says that the reason that, you know, in the story he says he was confronted and he was without excuse. I know we're wearing our jerseys, most of us. I know we've got our favorite team on. But can I tell you this morning that God has provided a holy robe of righteousness? Free. He is freely given. It's somebody that, that accepts the invitation to come into the kingdom, gets in and says, God, I really want your joy and peace, but I don't want to change anything about my life. Come on. I really want to, I really want to dine at your table, and I really want to enjoy all the things of the kingdom, but, man, don't ask me to break up with this person that I know is not good for me. Come on, somebody. God, I really want to come into the kingdom and I want to enjoy all the things that Pastor preaches about and preach, you know, in faith and I want to, I want to get closer to you and everything. Can I, can I tell you something simple this morning? When you join a new team, you don't act and dress like you used to dress because you're on a new team. And if you think I'm talking about physical dress on the outward appearance, I'm not talking about that at all. When I began to think about this and ponder this of, of joining a new team, Matthew 22 very clearly points out that the gift of salvation is free. Are you hearing me this morning? It's free. But when you come into the banquet hall, we have to have an understanding that there are some things that the Holy Spirit will begin to deal with you about. Amen? I say it all the time, and it was Max Lucado who said it. It's one of my favorite sayings. Jesus loves you just like you are this morning, but he loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. Because the way that you are may be ruining your life. And the best, most compassionate thing God can do is confront us in our junk and our sin and say this isn't how you're supposed to act when you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. When you've come from the kingdom of the enemy. In church, I came to tell you this morning, there is only two kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. There is no in-between. There isn't. One side or the other. There is one side or the other. There isn't a middle way. There is only one way, and his name is Jesus. So you, the game has changed because now you have a new team. Everybody say, I have a new team. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? My point is simple. It's when you, how many know when you love your team and they're doing well, you want to talk about them everywhere you go? I mean, I experience this a lot here at the church because, you know, we have to have different outside. People come in to fix something or replace something or or help us in some area. One thing I told Leah just the other day, I'm like, you know, when somebody is deeply immersed, and let's just talk, let's just, 
let's just talk about air conditioning systems. You could sit and talk to them for two hours. I, don't, I know nothing about air conditioning systems. Don't want to know anything about air conditioning systems. But what, what I, I told her the other day, I said, it's because they're passionate about it. When you're passionate about your team, guess what? You're always talking about what the score was and who did this and who did that. If we want to change the world, we have to understand we're on a new team and he has provided what to wear and how to speak. And when you speak the word of God, be confident it's changing lives. When you serve somebody that is, is out what you feel outside of, of God's grace and mercy, when you love them, when you serve them, when you're there for them, listen to me. You, when we're passionate about what God has done in our life, that passion comes out. Because you're on a new team. Number two today, you have a new coach. Say, I have a new coach. Here's what I know after all these years of following the Lord. And it's simple this morning, but it's so true. Here's what I know. God is a real heavenly father. And as a real heavenly father, he is deeply concerned about every single area of your life today. Amen. God has a plan for you. And it's good. God has a, a, a hope for you, and it is good. So if, you have, if you've been put on a new team and you have a new coach, then the analogy is simple when it comes to things that we know about sports and, of course, especially about football. If I want to know what God wants me to do, I came to tell you this morning, you can ask him, and he will begin to tell you. You can commune with him and have a conversation with your heavenly father and he can begin to tell you what it is you can do. You know, when people ask, especially as a pastor, I've asked God, what do I do? What? Can I tell you, it should be our natural spiritual walk in life that we are constantly receiving instructions from God. He, he wants to be that. He wants to, if you take the analogy of a coach, the, the players on the team don't go out and do their own thing, right? They ask the coach, what do you want in this situation? Imagine in the, in, in the analogy of football, of 11 people all doing their own thing. It doesn't work, does it? They all have to be on the same page. They all have to know their role. And we all have to understand the game has changed for you because when you've come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, you now have, you now have a, good, a new coach. And that coach, what? He loves you. He's for you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And the Holy Spirit of the Trinity has been provided for us to commune with and to listen to and to receive instructions. Let me, let me tell you what any coach, if I brought, I don't coach sports, I never really have, but we've got a couple of coaches here actually. Maybe I should have got them up here for this part of it because I think if you were to ask a coach, what is the most important element of a team coming together? And this goes for your family this morning. This goes for you individually this morning. This goes for us as a church body. And if you're visiting here and not a member, we welcome you and thank God you're here. But here is one of the most important elements, I think, of any life or team or your Christian walk. When you come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, here's what I want to tell you about your new coach. Your new coach wants you to be all in. Everybody say all in. All in. I played football from the seventh grade all the way up, and I've told this story, I think, before. I know I've shared it in a men's meeting. But I ended up playing younger than what I was supposed to because I accidentally got drafted into a practice during the summertime because I just happened by. And here's where they put me. They didn't know I wasn't old enough to play, and I wasn't going to tell them because I grew up that you listen to adults. Amen? And when he saw me, he just assumed I was there for practice. said, get in there. I said, okay. <laughs> and finally they figured out later on that I wasn't even supposed to be there. But listen, here's what happened. I was on, I was on the, the practice squad, or in football terms, that's called the meat squad. <laughs> you know why they call it the meat squad? Because you're the tackling dummy. You had big 7th, 8th grade boys. You had all these big, big old dudes out there. And I remember one of my first practices with full pads on, and I was nervous. I was super nervous. I was so nervous that I had gotten my pads a few days before, and uh, my older brother came through, and he said, put all that on and come beat me in the backyard. I'm like, great. My brothers made sure I was tough, if nothing else. They made sure that I was tough. He literally got it. Listen, I was receiving instruction from somebody else who had already been there. Are you listening to me this morning? 
when you come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, you have a new team and you have a new coach. And can I tell you who the Holy Spirit is? He is an encourager. He is somebody that's going to support you. He is going to strengthen you. And he's going to speak to you on how to deal with different situations. But I'm telling you, the key this morning, the 100% key is something I learned all the way back here in junior high football. Because that first day after my brother kind of toughened me up and taught me a few things and how to get in a three-point stance properly, they put me in the backfield against these guys. I was probably four or five 80 pounds at this time in my life. And these other kids were, again, older kids, bigger, stronger, and certainly more experienced and a lot meaner than I was, way meaner. And my coach at the time, he smoked unfiltered camel cigarettes. I didn't even know it was possible to yell at somebody through an unfiltered camel cigarette, but he had perfected the art of yelling at us as kids, as the football players, through, I don't know how he did it, just dangled there. Smoke going off in the... I got in the backfield. They said, you're going to hit the six hole. I didn't know what that was. I was just going to wing it. Kind of like I'm doing right now. So I got in the backfield. And hut, hut. And they hand me the ball. And I run towards the line. And right there are three of the biggest, meanest kids that were on the team. And I could see the smile through their face masks. I know it's hard to believe, but I kind of talk trash. Yeah, a little trash talker back then. Don't do that anymore, I'm saved. And I absolutely got waylaid. I got laid out, and they're smiling through their face mask, and I'm laying straight on my back, and I'm still staring straight up into the sky, and all I see is an unfiltered camel cigarette flip <laughs> over my face mask. And he gets down and looks, looks over me. Here's what I want you to hear. He looks over me and he says, Hanks, you got to be all in. If you hesitate, if you, the, the game of football, and let me tell you something, the game of life and the game of your Christian life, if you want to hear from your coach, the most important element that you could, you're sitting here today, it's almost like the picture of somebody on, you ever seen people stand on logs, you know, and roll them? It'd be almost like a picture of somebody standing on two logs and they're separating because we aren't meant to live the Christian life half in and half out. You're not meant to, if you want to hear from your coach, you've got to be all in. You have to be moving in a direction that God tells you to move because when you're moving in your own direction, I'm telling you this morning, God's mercy is great, but sometimes we end up in circumstances and situations that he never desired and he never planned for our lives. So when you have a new coach, you've got to be all in and you've got to be all in and hearing him and obeying him this morning. You have a new team. So God expects us to take on the garment that he, Revelation tells us, that they are those who have washed that garment that he's, listen to me, we are supposed to be walking in this world in a level of holiness, amen? amen. You say, yeah, but you don't know how the world is. I, I'm, I'm, we're, we're in the world, we're not of the world. Amen. We're supposed to be different, Amen. And listen to me, I'll get to this in a minute, but it's not just in the things that you do, it's the attitudes that we carry. It's the way we treat other people. And I'll tell you this, you say, yeah, the world this and that. If you put white gloves on and play in mud, the mud does not get glovey, y'all. Come on. The world has an ability to take that garment that he has given us, and then we move and understand that we have a new coach. And listen to me, you have the most encouraging coach ever. His name's the Holy Spirit. And I, I've, here's what I found about God this morning. God has loved me into loving him. Oh, come on. He has loved me. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. I didn't came to put a, a Debbie Downer on you today. I came to tell you the reality of, of what God has done when you receive his grace and his mercy. He has plucked you and taken you out of this kingdom and put you into the kingdom of his son. And he does expect some things out of us. 
He expects you to follow him. He expects you to dress like the team, to work in his kingdom, because once you come in, what God wants you to be is so passionate about your new team, so passionate about your new coach, that everywhere you go, you're talking about your coach. You're talking about your team. You're talking about what it means to, in other words, church, you've got to be all in or you're not going to live a successful, fruitful Christian life. We're like those people that, listen, the, the, the enemy, we know this. The world and the enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil, it says those three are really what we deal with in our Christian life. If you're going to defeat the enemy and break through the line and break through what he's trying to hinder you from, listen, you can't stop, you can't hesitate, you can't think that I can't get through there because, by my God, I can jump over a wall, leap over a troop and jump over a wall. Amen? That's what the Bible says about it. So your coach is always trying to get you motivated to move forward. Amen? So we have a new team. We have a new coach. And you got to be all in. Amen? What, if, what I see in most Christians is this, and the reason I say that we've got to be moving towards God, is in a lot of Christians I see a lot of hesitancy. Amen? I see a hesitancy. I just don't, you know, kind of half in and half out. Number three, you have new rules. Everybody say rules. Like, oh boy. John 13, 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. When I thought about this, and I literally, yesterday morning, I just began to write down what it means to be on God's team, on God's side. And when I, when I thought of this one, I thought, okay, God, you do. You, there's rules of the game. There's rules of life. There's rules that God expects of us. There's things that God requires of us. That may not sound like the true gospel, but it's the truest gospel that I could ever preach to you, is that God desires things from us. And listen to me, when I thought of rules, I'm not going to give you a list of 10 things you shouldn't do because here's what I've found in my own life is the closer I get to God and the more I love him, the more that I naturally just follow his leading and what he desires me to do. And I think the most important thing that I can tell you about the new rules of the new team and the new coach that you play for and the new team that you're on, the number one most important rule this morning, and here's what I want to tell you. I heard actually this in another sermon by Stephen Furtick one time. I thought it was so funny, but it applies to this very thing I was thinking about. Is he took his kid to a t-ball game. It was it was one of his son's very first t-ball games, and he said, you know, they sat there, and he noticed that the scoreboard never came on. So he kind of started looking around and asking people and saying, "There's there's no scoreboard. When are they going to turn on the scoreboard?" Another parent who had had kids play t-ball before, he just looked at him and he said, "Well, at this age, they don't keep score." They just play the game. And what was funny about his story is he said, I kept score. And I kept score every single time that he played because I'd get in the car and I would say, but listen to me, the point is this when it comes to new rules is God has a secret scoreboard. Are you listening to me today? God does. God is your father, much like he in that situation was keeping score. God is watching and looking and seeing how we love other people. God is watching and seeing and how we treat other people. I know this is simple, but it's so true that when you have a a new team and you have a new coach, you play by the rules that are given. And Jesus gave us the best rules that he could ever get, get when he went up on a mountain and began to teach his people, this is what it means to live in the kingdom. This is what it means to be a disciple of mine. So we have new rules, and we oftentimes think, because what does the world say? The world keeps score in this way. We all know this. The world keeps score in how much you possess. Amen? The world keeps score as how many Instagram or Facebook followers that you have, right? The world keeps score in an entirely different way than God keeps score because God, in his rules, has told us clearly that if you want to get down to what the kingdom is really about, it's about love for God. They ask him that. Jesus, we have 639 rules. 
can you boil this down to us? He said, I sure can. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is something easy for you guys to remember, and it's certainly easy enough for us to remember in the days we live in. But here's what the challenge is on any team, on any function, a business, a church, whatever it is. I came to tell you this morning one very important thing. You are not the center of the universe. Really? Somebody said, really? (laughs) Really? And please don't think for even a minute that your pastor has this all together when it comes to loving people. Because, listen, loving difficult people is one of the hardest things you will do, but it will cause you to grow in leaps and bounds. It will cause you to grow in your spiritual life. How many would agree today there are some people that just seem like it's hard to love them? Amen? Because it is. How do we do that? Number one, you have to understand the nature of people. Did you know the main reason we get offended is in disappointed in others and we don't love them like we're supposed to, whether it be, again, somebody at work that just, you know, I call them Holy Ghost sandpaper. They just... Right? They're just rubbing off them rough edges. Rubbing off them rough edges. And do you know how to get not get offended? To not get offended, you have to understand that at some point in time, even somebody you love and you respect and everything else, they're going to let you down. Come on, somebody. If you have an expectation that somebody is never going to let you down, you're going to be disappointment. And listen to me this morning. You're always going to be living in drama, and you're always going to be living in offense, and you're always going to be living in difficulty, and you're always going to be living with these things at the forefront. Here's my point. You're expecting something from people that they can't give you, and when we do that, you are setting yourself up for a fall. Somebody in your life is going to disappoint you at times. How many have been let down by somebody else? Absolutely. And listen, every root has a fruit, and they aren't treating you that way because of you. They are usually treating you the way that they are because they have a deeper issue themselves. It's very true. So again, go back to understanding, if you understand the nature of people, and this isn't a I know this could be taken as, yeah, I'm just going to live my life not trusting anybody, right? If everybody's going to let me down, then that's another reason I should never go back to church because they hurt me at that last church. Come on, somebody. That's not what I'm talking about today. It doesn't make what people do and treat you worse. It's understanding the nature of offense is unforgiveness and offense doesn't hurt the other person. It destroys your spiritual walk with God. It hurts you in the long run. Because Jesus, again, gave us a story and simply said this. He said, listen, when you have an issue, deal with the plank in your eye before you deal with the speck in somebody else's eye. That's what I'm talking about with God has new rules. God's rules are much different than the world's rules because what do we do in the world? We bite and devour and try to harm. And if somebody at work you don't get along with, you're going to sabotage them. That is not how believers operate. We're on a new team. We are on God's side, so it's different. And then secondly, understand that at different times people, because sometimes we have unrealistic expectations of other people. Amen? It's not realistic to put that on them. Don't put expectations on people that you should only put on God because God will never let you down. God will never disappoint you in the end of the thing. Another thing that helped me love people is, and this is important, listen to me for just a second, determined to have predetermined grace for people. Determined to have, in other words, when you understand that the very nature... I don't get upset at my dog when she sits in the living room scratching her ears. I don't yell at her. I don't get upset. It's what she does. So when people, especially fallen people who aren't redeemed and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and then even inside the church sometimes we're going to have disagreements and things that don't get along and those kind of things. If you have already determined that you're going to have predetermined grace for people so that when the natural thing happens of them letting you down, you have already chosen to forgive before it ever happens and it doesn't cause you to stumble. Are you listening to me? This is important. We have new rules. 
We have a new coach and we have a new team. And the rules are that when you deal with people in relationships, it's amazing to me that when Jesus said that to Peter, on this rock I will build my church, he very next chapter he goes on and how to deal with conflict inside the church. And we're horrible about dealing with it, aren't we? We don't handle it in the right way. If you determine to have predetermined grace with people, I mean, that's what Peter asked, right? Jesus. It was probably one of the other disciples. You just kind of figure that it was probably one of them that he just couldn't get along with. Yeah, I want to just punch John sometimes. Jesus. So is, do I have to forgive him seven times? And Jesus says, actually, Peter, 70 times seven. And if you get to know Peter through reading the scriptures, you kind of step back and say, he's trying to figure this out in his head. Okay. If he does this 326 more times, then I can let him have it. Jesus wasn't saying count them. Jesus was saying already having decided to forgive as you have been forgiven. We have new rules in the kingdom. It's, in other words, it's predetermined grace for others. It's not when you've done me wrong, I'm going to decide how long to punish you and then forgive you. It's an already predetermined beforehand, I forgive you anyway. How many believe that forgiving living is the best way to live? It is. Those are the rules that we live by as believers. Those are the, those are the ways that God has called us to live. Th- The best example is not only when he told Peter that, but think of the Lord Jesus, as I've already talked about this morning. Before he ever came out of Mary's womb, he had already set his face like flint towards her. He knew that in what was going to happen to him, he was going to forgive. When he hung from the cross, the very people who nailed his his hands and his feet and scourged his back and put a crown of thrones, uh, of thorns upon his brow and all the things that they did, he had already listened to me, predetermined that he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And can I tell you in your relationships in your life, most of the time people who are mean and nasty, they don't know what they're doing. So if you've already determined to forgive, you don't have to walk in the offense. You can forgive it. One of the keys to loving people is just seeing them how God sees them. Amen. When we take the plank out of our eye, it says that we can see clearly the speck in our brother or sister's eye. And it's important to do this. Have a strategy to love people. Have a strategy. In other words, how does God see us as believers? He sees us as his children. So when you have a new coach and you have a new team, I can tell you what the coach is telling the players is that when you have a strategy to love people, understand that everybody that's in the kingdom that's sitting before me today, you are God's child. And listen to me, I don't talk badly about God's kids. Let me ask you this if you're a parent or grandparent. Do you like anybody talking badly about your kids? Do you think God feels any differently about it? He does not. So we need to be really careful about the things we get involved in because they could be the enemy. Listen, we can't reach people for Christ in this community if there's division inside the church. So you have predetermined grace. You you understand what the expectation of people. People are going to let you down. People are going to disappoint you. I, as your pastor, am going to disappoint you in some form or fashion. And again, that goes back to expectations. Amen? There's a lot of expectations that I didn't know people had of me that I unknowingly let them down, but they're still harboring that. Amen? In other words, have predetermined grace. goes a long way. Number four, you have a new hope. Everybody say hope. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, "Now, Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for. Listen to me this morning. I want to encourage your heart. You have a new coach. You're on a new team. We live by different rules. We don't live by hatred. We don't live by blasting people. We live by the law of love that wants better for our neighbor, even if we don't agree with them politically. Come on, somebody. That'll preach right there. Listen, faith is something we can look to in our past, and we can have right now present for our moment right now. 
But what faith does is gives us a handle to hope on, to latch onto this morning. And I came to tell you that when you latch on to hope, it's saying in God that my tomorrow is going to be better than my today. And I came to tell you that when you come into the kingdom, you now have a hope of glory. You now have a hope in Jesus. You now have a hope in him. Faith is a now thing, but hope says there's something to look forward to. And I want some of you just to stir your hope up this morning because you have joined a new team. And that hope that is in your heart should have you looking forward. Hope looks ahead. It's your future hope. I don't doubt that you're walking through a difficulty. I don't doubt that you're walking through some things that you would rather not walk through. But when you join God's team, we have a hope and a future. Amen. What we do is we live in the question mark. And many of us put a question mark where God wants us to put an exclamation point. Hope is the exclamation point of faith that says, God, I trust you. God, I believe you. God, I know that you're working all things together for good. That is faith. But you need to put an exclamation point of grabbing hold of hope this morning and understanding he's a God of hope. And we live in that question mark. We live in that place. Romans 15 verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning, he is the God of all hope. Not a little hope. Not just some hope on Sunday. Not just a little bit when you wake up on Monday. God is the God of all hope. So when you connect into God and you join his side and you join his team, you can expect there to be hope. But here's what I found. When my hope gets small, I began to look at how much gratitude that I have in my heart. Because hope and joy is connected with gratitude. Because when I wake up and I'm feeling down and I feel like there is no hope and this isn't going to change and God's not going to work this out and God's not going to heal this one and this is going to happen and that's going to happen, I began to... To remind myself that I have to have gratitude in my heart. And gratitude is something that if if you'll begin to express it out of your mouth, all the hope and joy will begin to build in your life. If you walked in here today and you said, ah, Pastor, I, I know I'm on God's team. I listen to him. He's my coach. I wear his uniform. I've joined his side. I live by the law of love. I live under his rules. But man, I came in here with just a complete lack of hope for anything good happening in my future. Can I tell you just a small key? Begin to praise him for what you do have. Listen, in a storm, when you, when you lose some things in life, we face loss. But in that loss, you can either dwell on what was lost or you can begin to thank God for what you have left. And when you begin to thank God and praise him for what you have left, then hope begins to rise in your heart. And faith and hope are not distant cousins. They are brothers. Come on. They are, they, they, those are some things you want in your squad. This, those are some, some, those are the ones you want on your team. Amen. See, what kind of team? Uh, It doesn't matter about Buckeyes or Gators or Buccaneers or anything else this morning. If you want to join a team, join the team of faith, hope, and love because it says these these three remain. Those are things that you can tie yourself into and anchor yourself into. And listen, hope is an anchor for your soul. Some of you are just drifting aimlessly. You're not engaged in advancing the kingdom. You're not engaged in witnessing. You're not engaged in in reaching out to people in love and seeing what you can do for them. It's because you've lost your hope. Can I tell you this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to restore some hope in hearts again? Because it is literally an anchor for your soul. If you go out boating, do you tie your anchor to your boat? Do you? Of course you do. Why? Because if the anchor isn't secured to the boat, it is going to drift. You're going to look up and be out there swimming at the spring and your boat's gone. Some of y'all's hope is gone because you didn't tie the rope to the boat and that rope is hope. Man, the, the poet's just flowing out of me right now. I could almost wrap that, y'all. Come on. The book of Philippians says, Paul said this in the book of Philippians. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven. We have to have hope because our citizenship, listen to me. 
leads me to my next point. You not only have a new hope, you have a new destiny. Everybody say destiny. Destiny is tied to your destination. And again, we lose our hope. We lose our connection with our coach. We, we even lose our connection with the community and team that is here to encourage. You know what a church is? It's a place that you should leave out more encouraged than you came in. Because you're with an entire group of people that are going through the same struggles. They may look good in their Michigan shirt this morning. <laughs> Those orange and blue, I'm not sure who wears that, what team that is. They may look really good, but listen, we all share the same struggles. But we can also anchor each other in hope for our future. And we can come to the place where, listen, Paul wrote from the Philippian jail. He's in jail. He's been beaten. And he reminds us of something very important. That when you're in Christ, this is not your final destination. This isn't the end. Because God is a God that is looking to bring us to glory. We have a hope of glory. We have a hope of heaven. Everybody say heaven. This is never the end, and no matter what's going on, because we can fix our eyes on Jesus and understand that there, I I can tell you confidently, even if something bad happens to you in the next few days, I can tell you confidently that you can have hope because your destination is already secure in heaven. Amen? We have a marriage supper of the Lamb to look forward to, y'all. Paul's in jail writing this letter. He says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. How could Paul rejoice in a prison cell? Because he knew what awaited him after what happened to him on earth, and that is glory. Amen? It's heaven. He knew where he was going. You're a citizen of heaven. You're a child of God. And what awaits us, it says, eye is not seen and ear is not heard. What awaits us on the other side? We get a new body. Man, that should make you rejoice this morning itself. I know at 49, that check engine light's coming on. Just a little bit, you know? Listen to me. I came to encourage you. No more tears. No more sickness. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And the last of those enemies that will be done away with is death. We all have situations in our life that, whether it be a situation where it looks like death or you literally lose a loved one, but if they are in Christ, you will see them again. We need to encourage ourselves and have a robust theology of heaven because the Bible talks about it a lot. This is as bad as it gets for you as a Christian. And you're an American Christian. Come on. I've traveled this world as a missionary. You have won the lottery. You're a believer, and you were born in the United States. I'm not kidding. We are blessed. So I wonder how God looks at it from his view of some of the things that we complain about on a day. God, I'm guilty. Lord, help me. Some of the things that we, you know, my third car broke down. Come on. You realize most of the world doesn't have one? It's a little too cold in my house. That's my wife, by the way. Like, no, baby, we, we crank it down in this house. You have less joy this morning because you forgot where you're going. When you are brought from the kingdom of darkness, as we read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, when you're brought, you are a royal priesthood. I mentioned it already this morning. You're going to sing a song in heaven that the angels of heaven cannot sing because you are redeemed. You are saved. You are washed in the blood of the Lamb. I don't want to say it doesn't matter what happens in this life because God deeply cares about everything. But God is far more concerned about getting you to heaven than your comfort here on earth. And we need to remind ourselves of that. 
Actually, the church does best when it's persecuted, if you didn't understand that. I'm not inviting that. I'm just telling you the world we see around us shifting and heading in one direction, it's time to take a stand and say we're citizens of heaven. We operate by a different economy. We are on a different team with different rules, with a different coach, and the people of the world should look at the church and see joy and hope and see something in us that sees the difficulty and the world falling apart around us and saying to ourselves, we know where we're going, so I'm filled with joy, not joy for what is happening right now, but joy that my destination is where there will be no more sickness. God will wipe away every single tear. And listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I read all the way to the end. Some of you have too. We win. We win. And the most beautiful part of the book of Revelation to me, I love this, is it says we will see him face to face. I was having this conversation with my, with my kids yesterday. And it just this, all these things were just bubbling up in me. And I was telling I was telling my son Hudson, I'm like, Hudson, do you realize that when Jesus comes back, he's setting up a kingdom right here on earth for a thousand years? God isn't trying to get you to heaven. He's trying to get heaven to earth, if you didn't know that. And you are a conduit of heaven on earth. You're on that team. What's our victory? It's bringing love and heaven's rule into earth right now today. So if you run across somebody this afternoon that's down on their luck or upset or hurt, guess what? You're on the God's team that can say, hey, come on over. I know, I know, some, I know faith, hope, and love are on my team too once you come over to this team because people are searching for that. And I looked at him and told him, I said, man, do you realize that we'll have glorified bodies? I hope it's muscular. I do. I hope I'm like, it says we'll be known in heaven as we're known on earth. And I'm like, oh, man. Which version of me, Lord, the 50-year-old or the, or the 22-year-old? I looked at him and I said, do you realize that we see as an example? And Paul said, we have this as a hope. We have this as something to focus on. When things get dark and things get difficult and you, whatever you're walking through, we always keep our eyes fixed on him and on our future glory and hope this morning. And I told him, I said, do you realize that Jesus in his glorified body said it, he appeared in the midst of them? I said, how cool that we could just, I want to go to the Rocky Mountains this afternoon. In the millennial kingdom, listen to me. And this morning, when you're on God's team and he's your coach and you dress, you receive what he has given you, which you can't earn your righteousness. He provides it. But can I tell you something this morning? Out of respect for your teammates and your team and your coach, he does expect you to try to keep that thing clean. Come on, somebody. That is not religious and that is not a works-based Theology, it's an honoring of, of, of what kingdom you're in to say, God, wash me clean of anything that would defile. Wash, wash me clean. And we have a hope. We have new rules. The rule that God has. And if, you, if you're saying today, I, I don't know how to walk that out. Can I give you another key? Love God. St. Francis said this. I love it. Love God. And do whatever you want. Think about it for a second. Because when you really love him, I'm talking you really love him. You're not going to offend the Holy Spirit. You're, you're, you're going to allow yourself, even if you're walking in a direction God doesn't want, can I tell you, God's going to arrest you. He's going to pull you back. Back to his team. Amen. God doesn't trade his, his people. Amen? Amen. The analogy is only good so far as in when you join God's team, listen. You have somebody taking care of you now. You have a God that wants to see the best. Stand with me this morning. Alexis, if you would come, just gently play there behind me. Jesus is returning.
He's coming back. He's coming back for his kids. He's coming back for his people. And if we either are caught up with him and we still remain here, I don't know if it's five months or if it's 50 years. I don't know. Anybody that tells you they do, run. But we know the condition. Jesus did say we would know the season. So here's what I want to encourage you today is that the, the game has changed. If we look at it in a natural sense, it has changed. And some things have changed for some of you in here. You, the Holy Spirit, you're not here by accident. There's no way. So before Jesus comes to us, he gives us the space for grace to come to him before that. Amen? He opens the door. He invites us to the feast. He invites us into fellowship, into a relationship with him. Bow your head and close your eyes this morning. He invites us into that place to say, God, I don't have anything to give you except for my sin. God, I don't have to have anything to give you except for my failures, except for all this. And he offers the greatest gift that we could possibly receive, and that is eternal life now. Now that life begins. Now that eternal life is something we can live out every single day. So before he, he comes, he gives us the opportunity to come to him with honest hearts of repentance to say, God, I've been living in darkness. God, I've been living my own selfish way. Whatever it is this morning, the invitation is here, and it's present for each and every person here. And if anybody has walked away from God, Repent and turn and come back to him. If you have never put your faith in him, right now in this moment is the opportunity to come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Would you just shoot your hand up and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me this morning because I feel that need to come back onto God's side, back into his kingdom, back into fellowship with him. All over this room, if you that's you, and you say, I've never made a commitment to Christ, just shoot your hand up and we're going to pray together right here in a minute. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for the conviction that you bring to our hearts. Lord, even in times when I myself daily, daily, either choose something I know not to choose and do or something... Lord, that I know to do and don't do it, to me it's sin, because you said in your word it is. So, Lord, those sins of omission and those sins of commission that, God, we do, we want right now in this moment that the Spirit of God, it's already present here. I know you feel him tugging on your heart. I want to just keep on for just a minute, because there are a couple people here that the Holy Spirit has just been dealing with you in a mighty way. He's been dealing with you in a very... A very real, very tangible way, and you've even said to yourself, "Lord, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to be convicted about that. I don't want to change that. I don't want to turn from that." He's been dealing with you, and right now, listen. Tomorrow is promised to nobody in this room, and you have to make sure that your heart is right with God, that you're living for Him, that you're focused on Him, and that you're heading His direction, that you're on His team. So one more time, I want to ask this. Shoot your hand up if God, you just, this isn't a place, amen, where we embarrass you. This is a place where we want to see you come into the kingdom, amen. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I thank you for the gift of conviction. I thank you. For the gift of forgiveness. The Lord, if I come to you humbly, if I come to you honestly, you are faithful and just to forgive me, to wash me clean, and to bring me into the kingdom. Today, Father, I ask for your forgiveness. Change my heart. Wash me clean. I repent of my sins, and I believe in you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and that you are Savior. 
Receive me. Fill me. Help me. Walk after you. All of my days. In Jesus' name. God's people said amen. For some of you, that was your first step into the kingdom. You need to fellowship with believers, get into the word, and be discipled. This is a church that will take you in and love on you and help you walk the path that is ahead of you. Amen? Amen. Lift your hands with me today and let your pastor bless you. Hasn't it been good to be in God's house? I hope you go with faith, hope, and love right there beside you today. We pray that today, Father. I bless the people of God today here at Christian Center Church. Father, may we be blessed coming in, and Lord, may we be blessed going out. May your face shine upon us and turn towards us and give us favor and peace. Lord, let hope arise in the hearts of the people today. Father, for those who walked in here downcast and with the weight of the world upon their shoulders, you said in your word, it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Let that yoke-destroying anointing, Father, come in this room right now and be present and break off that, that darkness, Father, that we walk under. Depression, go in Jesus' name. Darkness, be bound in Jesus' name. Let hope arise in Jesus' name in this house. Let faith arise. And God, we say today, let love be in our hearts for our people we run across who are struggling, who are hurt, and beat beaten and battered by this world. Father, use us to minister life to them, Father. Let division go and let unity in this body come. Father, we love and praise you. In Jesus' holy name we pray and all God's people said, go in the name of the Lord. Thank you for being in the house. Yeah, guys, we we put together a little concession stand there in the back. Grab you something on the way out.